Marvel Studios shuffles its slate again. Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie is not happening. The actor strike is over, and we talk about lots of trailers that came out. All that and more on today's Multiverse News. Welcome to Multiverse News, your source for information about all your favorite fictional universes. My name is Matthew Carroll, and with me on the panel today, we have Haley Hobbs. What's going on, Haley Hobbs? Hey, 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 here we are again. Yes, we are indeed. And Jay Sisson, what's happening, Jay? I'm feeling better this week. I've bounced back. I got the mm. energy bar full, and I'm ready, to, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Don't jinx it, but I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> You sound much less froggish. I like it. I like it. Uh, and Jay Scotty St. Clair, what's going on? Hey, doing A-OK over here. You know, some of our favorite franchises may be seeing some slowdowns, but there's no lack of news, so it's always a fun time here at Multiverse News. That's right. When you can't get any Marvel content till like 2034, you come to Multiverse <laughs> News to hear us talk about it. Uh, <laughs> the fact that we can't get Marvel content until 2034. But that is the case. Uh, it is, uh, we do have a big pushback to talk about, lots of things shaken up, but uh, it's a crazy busy news week. So we're going to dive right in. Um, here it goes. It's devastating news for MCU fans everywhere. The Hollywood Reporter confirmed that Deadpool 3 will be the only MCU film released in 2024. The shift starts with Deadpool 3's release date now to July 26th instead of May 3rd and trickles down to the other MCU films. Captain America New World Order's new release date is February 25th, 2025. Uh, Thunderbolts is moved to July 25th, 2025. And Blade is now pushed to November 7th, 2025. Blade and Thunderbolts did not have scripts going into this year's writer's strike with the race to rearrange schedules by all studios which of these mcu delays hits the hardest hits different as the youth say yeah devastating certainly is the word yes mm -hmm. especially in terms of my fantasy draft uh but that's you know, <laughs> that's neither here nor there i uh, demand we redraft complete massacre it was a complete massacre of the fantasy rosters <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yes, it was. Yes, it was. But, uh, you know, this really isn't um, all that unexpected. And I will say, you know, as uh, disappointing it is as a fan and as a contributor to shows like these, uh, I, I am seeing the silver lining here. We talked about, you know, Marvel kind of needing to have this slowdown, this time to kind of readjust and reconfigure as it seems like the reception to the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole has kind of waned a little bit. So, uh I, th I think it makes sense that Deadpool 3 is the one that was the only one that had actually like actively entered production. It was pretty far along production as far as we understand here. But uh, I will say like in terms of like which of these delays hits the hardest, I will say um, it's Captain America new or actually Brave New World. Um, and, uh, you know, with that one, you know, every single Marvel movie and every big budget movie really like they they factor for reshoots like that's that's the thing. But like the circumstances regarding this one are a little bit different. Like there are reports coming out that apparently they did a, like a screening with um, audience members, like at Marvel studios that included, you know, employees and their children and family. And the reception was really, really negative to this movie. So they're kind of like, you know, doing a complete overhaul. Like we're hearing talks of like three big set pieces being completely redone. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of what we, we said when the, the daredevil series saw similar shakeups and um, as you know, Again, disappointing it is to have these properties delayed if it means that it's going to result in a, a better quality product. Uh, it, it, it sounds good to me. Uh, 
Um, regarding the rest of these, uh, Blade, that one doesn't hurt quite as badly, but it's just like I, I'm starting to have doubts whether or not that movie's ever going to get made. We talked about it last week about how Mahershal Lee was already on the fence, and now this thing just continues to kind of just stay in uh, production hell here. So, uh, yeah, th- those are kind of my takes. The uh, the Thunderbolts, you know, that's that's not super unsurprising, but hopefully um, we don't see you know a a ton more delays because these are really really getting pushed back pretty significantly and uh, as it stands right now 2025 is going to be a packed and stacked year yeah Dude. captain america must have been a tr- absolute train wreck for them to push it back that far because it was done shooting like they had mm-hmm. wow. probably a little it was completely mm-hmm. done shooting they had wrapped and so it really just needed vfx and any reshoots that needed to happen which shouldn't have taken that long so to push it back that far which i think you said february 25th i think it's actually february 14th um is the mm-hmm. is the actual date which seems odd to me like valentine's day for captain america new world order but you know, I guess, <laughs> I don't know. Aren't you in love with America? Celebrate that with Brave New America's World. America's ass on Valentine's Day sounds all right. <laughs> hey, babe, are you going to see Captain America for, uh, you know, for Valentine's Day? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, whatever. The the, the point is, it's like <laughs> these, <laughs> these delays are huge because it pushes back everything else. Uh, this probably pushes back the Fantastic Four, the X-Men, and all these characters that we thought were really starting to take shape in 2025 and 2026 and gear up towards these crossover movies. All of that has to be pushed back now. And I think some of the excitement around Marvel bringing those characters under their umbrella has died off a little bit. And maybe that'll come back whenever you start to see casting and you start to see movies getting confirmed and people coming in to write scripts and all of that. Uh, but at this present moment, it it's that's what makes it sting to me, is just this idea that we have this entire gap year next year with Deadpool uh, happening at least, but then and maybe a couple Disney Plus shows, like maybe Agatha, we know Echo for sure, but that's just right around the corner. But then to have to wait until... 2025. I mean, that's, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's tough, especially coming off like a really low opening weekend with the Marvels and like all this type of stuff. It's like, I think people who are fans of the MCU are, are sort of, you know, they're, they're feeling it right now. Like there's a, there's a lot of uh, potentially up in the air. Um, Again, Scotty, like what you said about seeing the silver lining, I agree with you. I think this ultimately can be a good thing because you can step back, you can reassess what you're doing. You can maybe look at all this, like, content that they've talked about being too much you can assess what do we want to do what do we want to not do like how do we want to move this going forward but um but yeah i mean i was kind of freaking myself out the other day i was thinking about how old am i going to be whenever i watch thunderbolts like like, okay wait like before i watch captain america i'm going to have two more christmases and i'm going to have two thanksgivings a presidential election uh, you know it's like you start going through all this and you're like oh man it's gonna be a long time uh but you know it is what it is i mean we just got off the longest strike in hollywood history like that's that's what happens you know that's that's where we're at the biggest sh- shock to me was the blade date because i i just had uh we'd heard so many pushbacks and uh things about shakeups in that script and uh, Jay Scotty, you saying you said you didn't think it was ever coming, and it, that that's kind of where I was. But the fact that they confirmed a new date, I mean, I know they kind of have to uh, claim these dates ahead of time to get, right. uh, especially with all these studios trying to claim dates. But um, it is uh, it is strange. I, I I'm hoping that that's a hopeful sign for Blade that it is still coming because I was starting to worry about that movie ever coming out with Mahershala Ali in the lead. 
All right, up next, rather than make his mark in a galaxy far, far away, Marvel Studios boss Kevin Feige is going to turn his space laser focus uh, back to projects of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. A simple no answered the question as to whether he would be producing a Star Wars film. Uh, The news that Kevin Feige would helm a Star Wars film broke in 2019 with Loki writer Michael Waldron being signed on in 2021. Feige is a vocal Star Wars fan, but with the sky is falling narrative surrounding Marvel Studios, was anyone surprised by this news? No, but I felt bad for Kevin Feige because he does love (laughs) Star Wars so much. And he's based a lot of the principles that have made up the MCU on Star Wars. And so you know that this was probably like a dream job for him. And now he can't do it because the MCU fell apart because he dared turn away and try to delegate for like three years. And that didn't work out for them. So um, it's not surprising at all. I would love to see him have the opportunity still to do this in the future. Maybe you know, when we can figure out if he has his own Dave Filoni to his George Lucas and somebody else can (laughs) take control of the MCU and do as good a job as he did. But yeah, I mostly just felt bad for him after this. Yeah, not surprising at all. Um, And I think it's the right move. I think we need Kevin Feige focused. They've already split his attention so much. And a lot of what we've been seeing in these articles, that big variety article and that book, The Reign of the MCU, um, outlined the fact that this new phase was dividing his attention more and more and he was putting more lieutenants in charge of things and those things didn't seem to pan out the way they wanted and so they need his attention even more focused on marvel not leaving the mcu to go do something else um but yeah it's scary because you know kevin feige's been doing this for like what 15 years now uh so longer than that i mean 23 years since since x-men um but uh, he's been the head of the studio for 15 years. And like, I just, I, I hope they can find a way to replicate the success that he's created. It's so hard to see someone like that's so good at something apparently, cause he is, he's just good at running the studio. And then like, how do you put your decision-making down as principles and like be able to replicate that in the future? And it's, it's a challenge every like leader faces. Well, and, like, props to him for trying. Like, he clearly felt like he had the right people in place to do it. And so many leaders will only have a chokehold on something until they're way past their prime in it. And so he at least tried to farm it out a little bit. I think that his knowledge and expertise was just maybe a little underestimated, even by Mm. perhaps him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, somebody else could do this job, surely. Yeah. (laughs) You both make a lot of great points about how how much of a factor the state of Marvel is right now in, in terms of this, you know, this decision and it not being all that surprising. But I can't help but also note, like, you know, I really feel like Star Wars has kind of emerged as like this this franchise that's kind of like, what have you done for me lately? Like Marvel and DC both have had their fair share of, you know, creative shakeups and 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 turnover uh, mid production, but. Uh, you know, we talked about Guillermo del Toro, his project, Taika Waititi, Patty Jenkins, Colin Trevorrow, like the list goes on and on. Lord Miller having, you know, Solo yanked from them. And, uh, you know, I think Star Wars needs to kind of like, you know, look inward and, and kind of examine where that's coming from. Because you look at uh, projects like, you know, what Dave Filoni and, and John Favreau are doing, and uh, those seem to be, you know, doing pretty well. 
Yeah, the I think this movie was really confirmed during that explosion of content that was supposedly mm-hmm. coming. It was that big, like, we're making all the Marvel, we're making all the Star Wars, like we're going to pack Disney Plus so full that every time you turn around, there's going to be something new that's going to connect to everything. And that was... We've talked about it before, but that was clearly not the right move. It did seem like the right move at the time. Disney Plus was new. We were coming off of Avengers Endgame. We were coming off of like the sequel trilogy, which you know didn't end in the best way. But I think at this point, like Rise of Skywalker hadn't come out, if I remember right. Um, and so you still kind so. of had, yeah, you still kind of had this like that made sense, like business sense at the time. You know, it seemed like a shoe in. It seemed like you slap that Marvel logo on something, you slap that that Lucasfilm uh, logo on something, it's a guaranteed success. If it's on Disney+, Plus, if it's in the theater. And so this, of course, Kevin Feige's making a Star Wars movie. Well, of course he is, you know? Um, so to see a lot of these projects get rolled back in our years since and going through COVID and going through changes in the industry and all this type of stuff. It's, it's not surprising. It's not surprising from a Kevin Feige perspective. He, he is needed in a particular place and it is not surprising from a star Wars perspective. They do not need more universes, more movies, more branched storylines at the moment. So, you know, my, my man's getting tired though. He wants to retire at some point, you know, like he's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's looking at this, like, how am I ever going to, what's my exit plan? How am I going to get out of this thing? I don't know right. if there's an answer, Kevin, I'll be there forever. They're gonna have to build that bot of you from She-Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Marvel wants him to stay because of the cachet. He brings just his name. People trust his name. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's now emblazoned on all the new things. It's all our Kevin Feige productions. Um, but it, it, it you gotta be thinking he might be thinking like, I should have just bowed out after Endgame and it been my swan song. And then like, let other people take it and let them be responsible for this crazy, trying to rebuild what has just been finished. You know, you know, even if he had taken that course, like it would have been only a matter of time before they just like back the dump truck of money. Cause like Bob Iger, the <laughs> same thing, you know, mm-hmm. they gave it to Bob Chappick for like what, less than two years. And Bob Iger comes right back. Yeah. It's so hard to know so many properties and this goes for every kind of show every kind of movie series like writers directors they it just takes people a minute to get their feet under them and sometimes it takes making the thing to learn what to how to make the next one and and uh it just feels like with marvel right now think the stakes are so high after endgame that like you it's impossible to have a failure and then kind of dust it off and make a sequel that like sort of picks up the good parts. And it's just, it's just hard to do. It's just a really hard time for it. Well, and I used the George Lucas, Dave Filoni comparison, because I think that that's what needs to happen, but look at how long that took. George Lucas Mm -hmm. started star Wars in 1977. And if I quote, let's see, Dave Filoni came in to do the clone wars in 2008. So, you know, you can't just hand the keys over after 10 years to something that you've spent an insurmountable time building that you want to be really high quality. And they're a little different in that George Lucas created Star Wars and Marvel is from an existing IP. That's oversimplifying it, but you know what I mean. Um, Mm. But I think that 10 years is not enough to do what Kevin Feige did and then try to just farm it out to different people. You still have to have that one leader who has the vision and that's who he is. And that's the successor he'll have to find eventually. I, I don't want to take anything away from Kevin Feige because all of the credit to the world and him, he has done something, you know, in, incredible and unique with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But 
he is not alone in that endeavor. And I also want to like note, I, I can't help but think of like, you know, Marcus and McFeely, like they contributed so heavily to like when the Marvel cinematic universe really hit its stride in phase three. So even if you don't bring them back as like writers forthright, maybe like bring them in as consultants can, that can kind of like shepherd, like, you know, uh, think bubbles and stuff like that. And really, you know, get this narrative back on course. Mm. Yeah, phase one. I mean, if you, we have rose color colored glasses because of the end of the infinity saga, but like, Phase one was pretty messy um, from a from a business and entertainment standpoint. Like directors did not get along. A lot of those films like mm-hmm. did not connect in the ways that they were envisioned to connect. There was a lot of drama behind the scenes. Like um, it was really messy at the beginning. And Feige, he was the one who was able to get in like choose directors that could carry his vision, people that could get along to where now it's widely known that. Uh, besides just a couple hiccups there here and there that Marvel Studios is a place that people love to work for and they love to come back and direct for and that they feel supported and they feel like they can create something they want to create. And that took time though. That that was not the way it was at the very beginning. Those first few films, he had a lot of work to do to really like learn to build the plane as it was in the air and try to figure out how he was going to connect this giant universe together. So that's a mind that just doesn't come along in Hollywood and and stick for a long time very often. Um, and uh, you know Marvel, Disney, in, in a wider sense, knows what they have uh, in Feige, and we've seen it firsthand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we we talked a little bit about it on the MCU cast this week about the idea that like the whole first few phases are not all amazing movies. They're all good. Most of them are good. Um, But a lot of them are just kind of base hits, but they all get characters on base. And then you hit the grand slam of an Avengers movie or an end game or a civil war. Those ones that like, or, or um, winter soldier, those ones that really like you set up the characters by getting them on base. And then you hit the home run. Like, but some of those movies don't have to all be amazing, but it seems like after end game, we're just, our expectations are at this level that, Every movie you're expecting it all mm-hmm. to be that level. It all has to be a home run. And like that's not how phase one through three were. In retrospect, they feel that way, but it's not how it was during the during the actual production. It's it was a real hit or miss. Some of them were great, some were okay, and then they'd come together to do a great thing. I think 2016 to 2019 is where you really saw like I I don't think there was like a single miss really. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's pretty true. They definitely got like really, really uh, singing there, but like they're still like good and great. You know what I mean? They're they're all kind of there's there's not like a Thor the Dark World in there, uh, <laughs> but there are. I'm trying to think of an example without being too offensive, but like Ant Man <laughs> and the Wasp, I like it. Don't love it. Like it's not the best movie in the franchise, you know. Um, it's a base hit, I think. But it is it is a good movie. And the, but then it sets up all of in in game, you know. Right. Um. Anyway, so uh, next up, a vote last Friday brought a tentative agreement between the majority of SAG-AFTRA's national board and the studio CEOs of AMPTP, ending the. 118-day actor strike. The Guild stated that the total package is valued at more than $1 billion in new wages and benefit plan funding. 
The 80-page summary of the agreement is not yet public, but was made available to Guild members on November 13th. Ratification voting for the 160,000-plus members of SAG-AFTRA runs from November 14th through the first week of December. SAG-AFTRA calls the agreement a landmark achievement for the union. And aren't we excited to hear the good news? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we we knew that we were going to get to report on this eventually, but the weeks just kept going on and on and on uh-huh. with no end in sight. And we were coming we up saying, on the next holi- week. Next week, yeah, yeah. I was next like, it's, it's right around the corner. I promise. And then we were bordering on the holiday season, which is why this got done so fast. Because if mm. we went into the holiday season and this was not done, it was not getting done until January at the earliest. In which case like nuke it all <laughs> you know like we're talking <laughs> captain america's coming out 2027 or something at that point i mean we're we're in we're in trouble uh if that's the case but uh looking at the summary it's a lot of legal mumbo jumbo it's hard to understand there's a lot of very intricate details that people who get paid a lot of money to pour over entertainment contracts wrote and reviewed from both sides there were really two things i wanted to talk about that i thought were the most interesting uh things in this uh in this thing. Um, one is the the payments and the, the distribution of payment. Um, essentially, what happens, from what I understand, is that uh, when it comes to streaming revenue, uh, that was a big sticking point at the beginning. So initially, the, um, the Actors Guild asked for 4% sharing of streaming revenue. And the studios were like, <laughs> go jump off a bridge, like, no way. Uh, and so then they came back with 2%. And they were like, we're going to let this go on forever if you don't you know so mm. so eventually what they came up with uh was that for the top streaming shows and it's a little similar to the writers for the top streaming shows uh actors are going to get a 100% residual increase but the way that that's split up is a little bit controversial uh 75% of that 100% is going to go to the actor but then 25% is going to go to a fund that is a joint fund that's held between SAG-AFTRA and the studios, and then they decide how to distribute it to other actors. So I thought that was fascinating. Um, I thought that uh, that's it's apparently already the formula for like commercials for actors, and it's just kind of being adapted into streaming. But I don't know if that necessarily solves our problems when it comes to streaming. But it is at least a different method uh, than what's what's been used. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was AI because that was the big sticking point, and it seemed like that was the sticking point like that's what took them so long to get through and they kept having to come back to and studios and the actors guild both acknowledged the fact that the reason this was so hard to come to the to come to an agreement on was because the technology is just changing so fast i mean think about where think about how much ai has changed since january you know now imagine it in 3 years i mean we can't even really imagine what it's going to be capable of at that point and so studios and actors both didn't really you know they're trying to create a deal that's supposed to last 3 years for a technology that's changing every week you know it's evolving and it's getting better and it can do more things all the time and and that was a, a big challenge but here Here's some of the main stuff, okay? Um, so if you're going to be AI scanned, you have to have informed consent and compensation for a background scan. So that has to happen. Studios have to ask for approval when it's used, though, not up front. So they can't just be like, yeah, Haley Hobbs, I want to scan you one time, and then I'm going to use you whenever I want and digitize you into the background of, you know, a, a Can't scan me. Uh, so... So uh so yeah you have to you have to ask permission every time. 
which was something that SAG-AFTRA really fought for. Uh, you cannot use AI duplicates to avoid hiring background actors. So you cannot replace a background actor with an AI-generated actor um, as like a sub-in. Like you have to hire background actors. Um, as far as artificial performers go, you have to get consent from the performers whose features you are using to create an artificial performer. So if like I use your eyebrow to create an artificial performer, I have to get your consent to do that. So again, that was a big push uh, from SAG-AFTRA. Um, you have to use this. You have to tell the Screen Actors Guild anytime you use an AI performer. So if I ever use it now, I don't have to tell the public. So, you know, I could, I could put somebody in and not tell the public, but I do have to tell the Screen Actors Guild. And then lastly, uh, SAG-AFTRA can negotiate pay for how this is used. So if your features get used to create an AI digitized thing, SAG-AFTRA can negotiate payment uh, on your behalf on how that looks. Um, from what I understand, a lot of this is still somewhat being read through and talked about. Um, there's debates going on right now about where are the loopholes, you know, can you take me and I know you can't digitize me, but can you take me and like make me say something different? Does that get past? Like if, if I'm cursing and you want to make a made for TV version, could you edit my face to make me say something that's not cursing? Or if I'm sitting in a car, could you move me from the front seat to the back seat and have me looking out this window? Like, you know what I mean? Like there's all that type of like that, those conversations are going on right now uh, in, among sag after members about where are the loopholes, but those are kind of the two biggest things that I took away. There's so much more to, to go through, but it's all boring. So um, I'm just happy it's over. <laughs> let's, let's get everything back into production. You know, Let's let's get uh, let's let's get this thing officially over. Let's get moving. All I have to say is hallelujah. As <laughs> as someone who likes all this stuff and wants to talk about it, I'm just excited that it's that that's over and we can get to talking about the fun stuff of the creativity that's being put out instead of all the business side. I mean, we're always going to be have talk about the business side of things on this show, but uh, I just want to hear the creativity of people and like the exciting new projects and new things being announced and things we never expected. It feels like we've been doing this show so long and without. It feels like so few things have been announced. You know what I mean? Like so few yeah. like new things. It's like updates on old things. But like the idea of someone just saying, "Hey, here's a movie that's coming out you haven't even heard of." It feels like almost weird to think about that. <laughs> yeah, how refreshing so, was it to see videos of Tom Hiddleston talking about Loki and Brie Larson talking about the Marvels? And I was just like, yeah. "Man, I've been missing that kind of they content." They put him like, on a jet. To they were get like, that "They were like, get on Fallon, get on Kimmel, <laughs> like get like you're gonna be everywhere at the same time." Uh, but, uh, but yeah, like I, I didn't realize how much I was missing that content until I started seeing it pop up. It was, it's great. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. I didn't think I was going to have anything to say on this one, uh, but do appreciate you, Jay, uh, for, you know, kind of deciphering and distilling the important stuff here because it was a lot of dense legal jargon. Yeah. But one thing you pointed out that I like hasn't left my mind since you kind of said it is, uh, how the residuals are going to work more akin to something like uh, for commercial actors, which is something I knew somewhere in the back of my mind. I think I listened to a podcast where a comedian talked about, you know, resting on some like residuals from a nationwide commercial uh, for, you know, a couple of years or something like that. And it got me thinking, I don't know, maybe it could be a Spotify poll question. Maybe it could be a uh, topic for commute the podcast, but which actor do you think uh, has grossed the the highest amount for any like commercial like what is the longest running or most like it's prolific good, good commercial that comes to mind and I don't know you know Wilford <laughs> Brimley he's got to be up there and progressive 
Are we talking total though, or are we talking one commercial, like one commercial to rule them all, or are we talking like, you know, somebody, somebody's done a string, like the Verizon guy who's now the Sprint guy, you know? Mm. Oh yeah, you know. I would like to know both. I would like to know both. That's not asking too much. (laughs) I'll look into it. I'll put it. I'll put it in the docket. (laughs) Well, we also have. A whole lot of trailers that dropped this week. Because I'm assuming because of these resolutions of the strikes, we are uh, we're finally getting them willing to say things are coming out. Uh, all these studios are willing to say, "Hey, a movie is actually going to hit its date." Um, and so we've got a lot of trailers that dropped, um, and we're just going to run down them. And dude, like, it's not really a lightning round. We can all talk if we want to, but we're kind of trying to move quick. So the first one we're going to talk about is Ghostbusters: Frozen Empire. <laughs> I love the Ghostbusters movie movies, um, and really Ghostbusters Afterlife surprised me in that it was pretty heartwarming and fun to watch. And yeah. this Frozen Empire one, what's interesting with these movies, these reboots, I guess they're kind of more continuations of the original movies, is each one is sort of mirroring the original. So the first one is the Discovery of the Origin movie, and then this Frozen Empire one, like the second Ghostbusters, was about the big... Um, the oh i forget his name the whatever ian the savage that's not what it was but you know what i mean then like the hatred like comes over new york city and everybody's so angry and that's what the spirits take hold of and this one is fear and um so i like that they're doing the same things but not doing the same things and i think that's why these are successful and why people like them Mm. I love the original Ghostbusters movies and I, i i liked the afterlife a lot and the the uh all female reboot from a few years ago wasn't all bad. Um, uh, I didn't see I, it. <laughs> oh, you didn't see it? Um, no. Well, I, the the thing that I'm interested to see in this trailer is that Kamel Nanjani, Patton Oswalt, yeah. and uh, Paul Rudd are all in it. It feels to me like they're taking the afterlife universe and moving it into this, this movie, but mm-hmm. those three actors are not it feels like they're trying to put together a Ghostbusters team to me. I think they're gonna backdoor us into those three wearing the suits at some point, and it'll feel like, oh, three comic actors putting on the suits. That's kind of what the original Ghostbusters was. Mm-hmm. That's what they tried to do in the all female reboot too, was right. like put actual comedians in these roles and let them do their thing. Um uh, I don't hate it. I yeah, like it. I, I, I like it. All <laughs> yeah. three of those would be great in that. Yeah. Um I don't I don't know who the fourth would be. Would be Carrie Coon, wouldn't it? No, right? Yeah, I don't know Carrie do... Coon. I love Carrie Coon. Who right, is Carrie Coon? Great. Sorry, she's the mom in the Afterlife movie. Oh, she's in this one okay. Too. That would make sense, and of course the kids will be involved too. So Carrie Coon, that makes sense. Yeah, Vigo. Vigo is the ev- the villain in the second one. Sorry, I had That's to right. not let that go. <laughs> what did you say it was? <laughs> Ivan the Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, generic old school villain. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, next, we got Inside Out 2. Jay, you want to talk about this one? Yeah, like, I don't know if it's controversial to say what you think the best Pixar movie is. Um, You know, I've said uh, controversial things on this podcast before, but I'm just (laughs) going to go for it. Uh, I think Inside Out is the best Pixar movie of all, like, 25 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it is a really great concept. I think it's super well executed. The voice acting's great. The story's great. It's a super original idea. 
and it hit at the right time. Like uh, Inside Out 2, I'm definitely intrigued by. It seems like they're bringing in like more emotions. They're focusing on the same person, but now she's older. She's a teenager, so they're bringing in like an anxiety character voiced by Maya Hawk, and they're bringing in like a couple other people too. So um, that she just joins a strong voice cast in what I think is a really strong uh, movie. So um, I'm definitely interested in it. What is yellow in the original Inside Out? Like, which one of the characters was yellow? Joy. Uh, that was Joy. Is it yeah, Joy? Was Amy, Amy Poehler. Correct. I was. Yeah. I, I have not seen Inside Out, but I was just trying to like analyze the colors of the movie, and they uh-huh. bring in in the trailer they bring in anxiety and it's orange, and I was wondering if it was a red and a yellow mixing because like anger or like anger fear type emotions mixing with like I guess anger is the emotion that's red. I don't know. Yeah. It just I was wondering if that might like be some sort of color-coded thing there. But um, I haven't seen Inside Out, and I was actually scared to watch this trailer because I was scared it was going to be spoilers for the original one because I really do want to see it. I've wanted to see it since it came out, and I just haven't. <laughs> I don't think you can um, really spoil the first one. No. Like I th- yeah, it's kind of just a movie you just... There's not really a spoiler for it, you know. Like I think yeah. you could just watch it, and even knowing there's a there's lot of one stuff. scene that could potentially be uh, okay, spoiled. Yeah, that's I a know, real tear, tearjerker, but that's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah. And if that's the case, they spoil it in She-Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. They do, don't they? <laughs> that's right. They I, remember, I remember hearing something in She-Hulk that spoiled it, and I, like, memory-wiped myself. I neuralized myself. <laughs> I, I was like, don't remember it, don't remember it, don't remember whatever they just said. I have that superpower. I'm going to chime in on Inside Out, too, just because it is a big one. And, you know, I'm um, thinking about Pixar. Uh, you know, they've tried a, a couple of different things here uh, recently, uh, Elemental ended up actually like in the long run actually did pretty well for them and that's exciting to see that was a really great movie that I think you know the initial box office kind of like told this story of failure and that didn't turn out to be the case but then you look at something like Lightyear which was you know totally the opposite it's like they keep going back to Toy Story they keep trying to mine these tried and true things but to your point Jay I I, I don't know if it I, I'll give it like top five Pixar but Inside Out is incredible it makes sense to revisit this one and kind of like build out that franchise and just the concept alone, the fact that you've got, you know, this protagonist and you're literally seeing what's going on and like they're, excuse me, literally seeing what's going on and like inside their, you know, um, their emotions and to like, you know, see this protagonist like get older and go through puberty. It's just, you know, it's ripe. The, the kids that were growing up are, that were, you know, Riley's age when the first Inside Out came out, it makes sense that they would be, you know, uh, maturing right alongside her and it should resonate with them. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the next is we have the Garfield movie, which I want to talk about. Uh, I thought it was an interesting <laughs> way they introduced this one. Uh, I, I think they almost made like a little short film about the origins of the story of Garfield and John. Um, and then just a lot of like slapstick fun sort of animation stuff. I think this looks fine. Um, but the part that bothers me is Chris Pratt as Garfield. And I know we've talked about it before that he, when he was announced, I think. Um, but man, stop putting Chris Pratt in all your animated movies. It's making, <laughs> it's like every animated hero just sounds the same. Like he does, he's not doing a voice. He's not even, he's not a voice actor, man. He's, I love Chris Pratt. I love guardians say that, but he, what his performance brings to something is like his wonderful improvisation in like Parks and Rec and stuff. He's so good at that, and he's so smart and funny and quick. And I just feel like him like just voicing these basic ass Garfield lines just feels like a waste <laughs> of his potential, and like doesn't bring anything to the Garfield franchise. To be, I'm just like okay. This doesn't feel like Garfield. It's just Chris Pratt again. Just if Mario you haven't again. watched the trailer. 
you already know what it sounds like because if yeah. you can just hear in your head Chris Pratt doing Garfield's voice, you're there. Like it's just exactly what you think it sounds like. <laughs> I is think what it I sounds think that's like. charitable. I think it's charitable. It doesn't even sound like he's doing a voice. He's just being Chris Pratt and talking through the role. It's I I I do not like that style. It, there's just so many amazing voice actors out there who could be providing us with like a memorable performance. Um, I, I, there's there's actually a great anime. Uh, I think it's. I always forget what YouTubers I watched when they did talk did these essays. Uh, I believe it was Patrick H. Willem did one about animated movies and how Robin Williams ruined them all because Robin Williams was so amazing as the genie that like ever since then they're like, oh, what you do is you get a star to be right. in your animated movie, right? Yeah. And like <laughs> it's 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 the same problem with like everyone copying Marvel because they're a, a big canon, and now everyone makes one of toy movies because Barbie was successful, like. Robin Williams was so amazing, not because he was a famous person. He was amazing because he was Robin Williams and he was freaking amazing and everyone loved it. But every movie after that, they stopped casting voice actors in these roles and they started casting um, stars just doing their thing. And it's like, no, give me like amazing voice talent. Um, okay. Up next, we have uh, <laughs> Mean Girls, the musical movie came, uh, dropped a trailer. It did. Um, <laughs> I didn't hate it, honestly. It was real short. I did see that Jenna Fisher was in it. She's not one of my favorite people, but that's okay. Um, the <laughs> girl who, the girl, the woman who's the playing the lead, who's playing Regina George, played the role on Broadway. So that's awesome that she's getting to reprise the role. And she's also in Sex Lives of College Girls on HBO, and she's really good in that show. So this actually might make me like the musical. Hmm. Mean Girls Sweet. is like holds up so well. Like it's still funny. Mm -hmm. It's still like a really well written movie um, to to now, and it, it resonates. Like people quote it all the time. Still, kids who weren't even born uh, in 2004 are watching it, and it's resonating with them. And yeah, like I think this is the right move. Like make an updated version of it for the modern times where you're trying to kind of capture those kids who were too young for it when it came out. Like. I don't know. Like I, I was kind of there. Was, I had zero percent interest to be honest uh, in this when it was announced because I was like a musical about Mean Girls, like whatever. But I saw the trailer and I was kind of like walked away, being like, okay, like I see what they're doing here. Like I'm kind of intrigued a little bit. Like they're updating it, they're making it more modern. Like they're, um, but they're like keeping the core essence of a lot of the the jokes that were there in the original movie. So I don't mm -hmm. know. I kind of walked away like definitely like I see what you're doing, and um, I don't know. I think it's maybe exciting. Yeah, I thought the trailer showed a few great shots of cool uses of social media and kind of like giving it a little bit more of an update with technology. But also, uh, I love that Tim Meadows and mm -hmm. Tina Fey are back. Like, that's that's super fun. Like, see, Tim Meadows is one of my favorite parts of being girls. Like, him as the principal was always one of my favorite parts. And so him getting to come back as the principal is amazing. Like, what is it, 20 years later, 15 years later, something like that? Um, that just seems neat to me. 2004 so yeah almost exactly 20 years later Whew, 20 years so yeah that's super cool to just see him reprise that role that's weird okay uh reacher season two got a trailer jay you care about this i mean i've never watched reacher <laughs> um you outed me uh but <laughs> but i will say uh amazon prime 
hey, they're building they're building a success story over there. They're they're building the boys. They just came off of Gen V, uh, which was super positively received. They're running Invincible right now, which is going to have more than what's going on right now. Like it's going to continue. They got the Rings of Power on deck. They got Fallout coming down uh, coming down uh, in the spring or something like that next year. So yeah, and people love Reacher. So you've got another show. So this is a this is a solid streaming service. It seems like they've really built themselves up to be. Uh, <laughs> to be, I know you're laughing at me because I've never watched Reacher, but uh, no, but uh, I'm laughing at like the billion dollar retail company, solid streaming service. Yeah, it's doing real good. Yeah, They're yeah, doing can, all right. I can They're recognize fine. success. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I said it. it a few weeks ago, I think, but like I really feel about Amazon Prime the way I did about Netflix when they were the place for quality. You know, like they were like, oh, they still put quality stuff out. Every time I hear an Amazon show is coming out, I'm like, it's going to be like well done and probably good. Um, so, yeah, I I don't care about John uh, Reacher. John Reacher. Uh, Reacher at all. But, uh, you know. Well, I, I know we have some listeners that are pretty excited yeah. for Reacher oh, yeah. season two. So I will say, you know, I, I know that there were a couple of Tom Cruise, Christopher McQuarrie movies that came out a few years ago. And, and from all reports, this new series from Amazon is much more accurate to the book series. So, uh, you know, source pages, just, just saying. <laughs> source pages. I've got enough Haley, to do, you need something Scotty. else to do? You need something else to do, Haley? <laughs> you got this, Haley. Cover Reacher. No. Um, okay. Uh, but yeah, no, no, no shade on anyone who likes Reacher. I just don't know it at all. Or like, it's just not my, my bag. Um, Okay. I'm going to do it. I'm going to watch Reacher. I'm going to prove everybody you wrong. Oh, my God. I'm like, and you now should. we spent this long talking about it, you guys. <laughs> we, basically, we basically all have to start a Reacher after show after talking about this long. This is about to turn into the Reacher, the Reacher podcast. I thought you were about to say Reacher Round. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I want to a table discussion. We're a family show here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I almost said Reacher Round so many times by mistake. Um, the... Uh, okay. It, it would be really funny just to like start dropping like weekly uh, multiverse reviews and just like Reacher, just like little just short Reacher. ones, just talking about how good, how much we're loving Reacher. Um, yeah, just just for Reacher. Um, yeah, it's good. Okay. Um, Rebel Moon, Part One: A Child of Fire, uh, the uh, Zack Snyder Star Wars movie that's not a Star Wars movie uh, <laughs> dropped. <laughs> But is it? <laughs> but is I, I really was like, well, they could totally backdoor this into a Star Wars thing. You can like, tell really that could. he wrote it as a Star Wars movie, and then Star Wars was like, actually, we're going to get somebody else to do Rogue One. And he was like, well, I got this really good idea, though. Like, I got to do something. <laughs> he thinks all his ideas are good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sucker punch doesn't happen otherwise, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh no i kind of love this trailer um, i'm super excited for this movie it's gonna be a two-parter there's gonna be another another movie come out later if you like Zack snyder i feel like this is probably up your alley if you're like sign me up for a i don't i didn't see the runtime but sign me up for a three and a half hour fantasy epic with slow motion shots and all that like that you're probably getting what you want uh, out of that if you don't like Zack snyder movies you probably hate this and you probably watched the trailer and you were like nope not for me but um i think creatively it looks cool i like the idea that i know we joke that it's kind of like star wars and it kind of is but it is an original ip that he's created and i think anytime you've got an original ip out there like i'm willing to hear it out and uh see what's going on with it so yeah i thought this was a, the trailer really captured my attention i think it looks like one of the most exciting things that we got coming up on netflix uh in the near future i agree 
if I had no idea who this was or anything, this trailer just looks great. And it looks intense. It looks all the themes I love out of the story. It looks really visceral and cool and, uh, you know, plucky rebels versus the Empire kind of story. I love it. Um, but I do really just don't like Zack Snyder's stuff. Like, I, I think I think it's generally, it's, there's a, I mentioned a few minutes ago, Patrick H. Willem, again, great YouTuber, does these essays. He did one on uh, Zack Snyder, and he calls him the himbo Artur. Um, <laughs> and like, it's basically just like, he's really good, like amazing at visual storytelling, just amazing. Yeah. But if you pay attention to anything under the surface of his films, like the themes never hold together. Like they're just sort of like these wobbly foundations of like the characters don't really, it's, it's really an interesting breakdown. It's like a two hour long video where he breaks down like some weird owl movie that he made, like his first film or something. Cool. That one, that one. <laughs> he breaks it down like intensely and talks about how, like it's beautiful visual storytelling and like nothing in it is thematically like, like makes yeah. any thematic sense. And then he yeah. uses it to break down all of his other movies and how they do the same thing. Right. The only one that seems to really work. Well, it doesn't though. The one that works is Watchmen. It's mm. great, yeah. but it's just visually adapting the comic book. But even that he fails because he, all the bad guys from the comic book, that are like kind really problematic characters in the comic book kind of turn out looking like the heroes of the, like he doesn't under, it's like he doesn't fully understand. Well, I, in Watchmen's case, I, that was almost uh, like impossible to adapt source material. And I, to his credit, I think he did a pretty decent job with that one. I like Watchmen 100%. a lot. I do like 300, but I, I agree with everything that's being said. He, he's, he's style over substance and he kind of feels like he should have been a cinematographer rather than a director. But uh, what I really want to say about this trailer is what I said about the first trailer we got. It looks epic, but your trailer does not need to be proportional to your <laughs> runtime in terms of the length. Like, <laughs> That's what I mean. Like It's like, this is the most Zack Snyder trailer I've ever seen in my entire life. Like Because it's so long, it's so... But, it, like, but again, if, like, if you're into him, like I feel like you're like, yes. But like if you're like, if you're if you're an anti Zack Snyder movie, like you just roll in your eyes, you're like, oh, whatever. Mm. <laughs> I will say this, that uh, this, I, I did not know this. I did not know this is Zack Snyder uh, as I watched it and I see it now, but like the characters seem more like real people than most of Zack Snyder's characters. And that excites me. Cause I think that's sometimes where he's lacking. His characters are always icons instead of characters. And like these characters look like at least like, they look like real people struggling with a real thing. And I, that combined with iconic, like visual storytelling could be really cool. Um, I think it looks great. <laughs> uh, Avatar, the last airbender. Yeah, it's actually, uh, I really appreciate the segue that we have here talking about rebel moon and how that was kind of born out of a rogue one pitch, because this trailer really reminded me of the trailer for rogue one, where you have like this breathy protagonist kind of coming in and laying out the scene and establishing the world. But, uh, you know, I, I think fans of Avatar The Last Airbender are really excited for this one. Uh, everything that I'm seeing looks like it's it's pretty solid. It uh, looks like a market improvement over the uh, the movie that we won't talk about. But, yeah, I, I really like what I was seeing from Aang. He looks like, you know, appropriately young, uh, but without kind of being, you know, really baby-faced. Uh, and, you know, he actually seems capable of, you know, delivering some uh, dramatic chops. The one 
cast member that I hadn't seen yet that kind of had me scratching my head was Sokka. Um, I'm interested to see what the like general consensus is about his casting. But yeah, I think this is one that uh, people are really excited for and for good reason. Sweet. And Damsel, another from Netflix. I actually thought this trailer looked really good. Um, dark fantasy is where it's at in literature right now. Like That's such a huge genre that's going on. And so this is playing to that audience. I feel like Netflix's quality in general just has not been there for me lately. The things I've been watching on Netflix, they start well, and then they kind of really just peter out there at the end. But this has Robin Wright in it, and I love her, and it has Angela Bassett in it, and I love her. So it looks fun, if nothing else. But you don't like Millie Bobby Brown. I noticed that, too. Because she's the star, and you didn't even mention her. (laughs) She's fine. (laughs) She's fine. I can tell you, it's like Millie Bobby Brown. She looks fine. She didn't like say one word, I don't think, in the trailer so i don't really have anything to say about her in it quite frankly <laughs> i love i love us just like all calling each other out like, like you can tell we've gotten more comfortable with each other on this show because we're all like yeah you don't even know what that is do you jay like you don't like millie bobby brown rebel moon is Zack snyder i'm like we talked about it like two months ago hey we need we need to balance it you know if we're over here being like oh this rebel moon trailer looks awesome like we need you to come in here and be like this rebel moon trailer is annoying you know like we need both sides yeah bring it in bring it in uh lastly in our trailer park we have uh the witcher sirens of the deep is an anime spinoff from the witcher series yeah this is one that i you know to be transparent i actually didn't watch it until just a few minutes before we went live and started recording here and i'm really glad that i i checked it out because it looks great um in terms of the animation style it looks like some of netflix's best it looks like it's like right up there with castlevania um, I'm, you know, noting some influences from shows like Vox Machina, which I really enjoyed. You know, we were talking about the quality of uh, Amazon here lately. And then um, also Young Justice, which uh, if you've ever listened to an episode of Animation Deliberation, you know how much we we love that show over there. So uh, one important thing to note is that they are bringing back the voice actor for Geralt from the uh, CD Projekt Red video game series, Doug Cockle. And, uh, you know, he's Sounds great. And uh, didn't know about this one beforehand, but uh, chances are I'll be checking it out when it comes out in late 2024. Sweet, sweet. Well, uh, that is our trailer park. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we have results to our Spotify poll from last week and uh, a lot of fun lightning round stuff. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Multiverse News. Uh, We are uh, going to talk about our Spotify poll real quick. Our Spotify poll was, what is your viewing priority for Thursday's double MCU feature? And uh, 30% of you said you were going to see the Marvels first, and 70% of you said Loki Season 2 finale first, which I think is what it seems like it broke down for everybody, because that seems... That's all I'm hearing. Even... even all I'm hearing about online is Loki finale, mostly. And even like our feedback on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast was like very much Loki heavy. We had like, I don't know, we had like 20 pages of Loki feedback and like six pages of the Marvel's feedback. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it seems like that's uh, across the board, at least in our little neck of the woods. Seems like a matter of convenience, too. You know, you can stream it at home, it's easy to just. 
finish it Absolutely. out. You got one more episode left, you know, hit play. I'll go see the Marvels tomorrow, you know, uh, type yeah. thing. So I think uh, a lot of people, uh, that's the reason I, I voted for Loki. That's why it's because it's like, I, I know where I'm going to be Thursday night, you know, <laughs> like I'm going to be in yeah. my living room. So uh, it's just, e- it was easier. I I, heard, I saw, uh, I think it was BVK. Uh, uh, Brian V. Klein posted on the uh, Stranded Panda chat that he didn't get to go see it this weekend, uh, the Marvels. It was like the first one he'd missed in a long, like ever since uh, Marvel put one out. It's the first time he hadn't been able to go on opening weekend. And I wonder if putting those two against each other caused people to go, well, I'll watch this at home and then I'll go, like you said, go, even if you go Saturday or Sunday, a lot of people, it's their like, it's it's like a religious ritual to go on opening night to see a Marvel movie, and like they're basically be- like begging people not to by putting on Loki the same night, you know, and it like ruins that sort of uh, I don't know ritual, I guess. Brian didn't go because he works for the government now. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I knew that he had he he said it was work work issues, but uh, I just wonder about a lot of people making that decision to wait for the weekend or whatever. I think it's more like what Jay is saying because. It's convenient. Yeah. Also, if uh, if you want to participate, we also have a poll up on our Patreon. Uh, it, we, we have a new Patreon. Uh, we've had it for a few weeks. It's patreon.com slash multiverse newscast. Um, and you can sign up only four bucks and it supports the show. We make this show every week for you guys for free. Um, but if you want to chip us a little chip in a little tip, uh, because we do work really hard to bring it to you. Uh, go over there and you get to participate in the polls and kind of interact with each other and, and us on the Patreon. And, uh, we would appreciate it. Uh, thank you guys for doing that. Um, and, uh, up next we have our lightning round. Uh, we got a bunch of stories in lightning round, uh, as we do every week, I'm going to read the story. Somebody's going to claim it by, uh, shouting out their name and then they get to respond to the story. And then throughout the entire lightning round, we each get one rebuttal to one of these stories. So let's go. First up, Sony's Venom 3, which was initially set to be released in theaters on July 12th, 2024, has been pushed back to November 8th, 2024. Scotty, seems like a missed opportunity to release it a week after Halloween. If you're going to push it back... In that time frame, you might as well take advantage of that. We just saw Five Nights at Freddy. Uh, that came out like the weekend before Halloween and benefited a lot from that. So um, the, I'll be honest, you know, the Venom series is not my favorite, but if they can kind of, you know, return to form to what that first one had in terms of like kind of being like a B movie, um, I'd be pretty happy. So let's mm. see. Uh, to, to give you uh, credit, Jay Scotty, you got on me, or you kind of made fun of me last week for calling it FNAF. Um, okay. And, uh, and <laughs> I, I told one of my other friends who was a Five Nights at Fetty's fan, and I called it FNAF to them. They had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Vindication. We're trying to make FNAF happen. <laughs> we just talked about Mean Girls, so like, stop trying to make FNAF happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> what I just but... said, Jay. <laughs> oh, did you say I'm sorry? I didn't mean to yeah. say joke. Joke thief. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I heard can you, you Haley. Can you edit out Haley's scared. and then put mine in instead? Just edit Haley yeah. out. Oh, <laughs> of, just of, have course, it be an of course, of course. Of course. 
Nev next, Warner Brothers has reversed course due to public backlash after it initially decided to shelve Coyote vs. Acme, a live-action CG animation hybrid featuring Looney Tunes characters Wiley, Coyote, and Roadrunner. Uh, filmmaker Dave Green directed the feature, which completed filming last year. The film also starred John Cena and was produced by James Gunn, who also worked on the story. While it was reported that Warner Brothers would be eligible for a $30 million tax write-off for shelving the film, the studio will now allow Green to shop the film to other studios. Jay, um, this story just grew and grew throughout the week. So it was initially reported that they created this movie, and I thought the premise kind of sounded interesting. Like the premise was that Wiley E. Coyote was suing Acme because all of the products always break, and like John Cena <laughs> was supposed to be like the lawyer representing Acme or something, and it was like a a mashup of a of a uh, like. Um, live action type thing with an animated character. And uh, I thought it was an interesting concept, like having James Gunn involved and all that was kind of a, a cool angle to it. But yeah, it was going to get shelved. It had finished filming and it was going to get shelved. They were going to Batgirl it. They were going to stick it up there for a $30 million tax write-off. And so that was how it came out. And it started a lot of conversations in the industry. And I think when I first saw that story, I thought, you know, the only way that this is going to stop is if somebody sues, like somebody's going to have to take this into the court system and they're going to have to set a, a precedent here with studios that this is something that you cannot do. You cannot go in and just shelf a movie because you think mm -hmm. it's going to, you think it's going to benefit you in the long run financially to take something that you made and just, toss it out and nobody ever gets to see it. And then the directors who had projects that were around Warner Brothers or like in the pipeline with Warner Brothers had meetings with them set up started rebelling and there was a mutiny and they started canceling their <laughs> meetings with Warner Brothers. Like they started telling Warner Brothers like, hey, we got a project that we're supposed to be talking about and now we don't because you might shelve it if we make it. And these mm. and uh that was that's a great thing like that's a great movement because i think yeah. directors saw themselves and said you know i i can see this happening to me like i can see myself creating a movie and then a studio deciding that they want to get rid of it uh, after they've wasted all of my time making it uh, up to this point so they warner brothers kind of saw the writing on the wall here that they had created a public backlash and they allow, or they are allowing, like you said, uh, this film to be shopped to someone else. So uh, it'll probably get picked up by somebody and distributed by somebody, especially after all the attention. But I thought it was a fascinating story. I thought it was like a really interesting industry development. Um, that was not good for the industry. That Batgirl move was not good for the industry. And that was what people were afraid of, is that it would keep happening. That these studios would take 100 shots and then they'd shelf 90 of them and then just kind of keep the keep the content money train rolling uh, without and crushing everyone's creative vision. So to see directors mm -hmm. step back and say, let's reassess this and push back on that a little bit. Like, we don't need your money if it's going to be like that. Um, that's that's big. Um, I, I think that's uh, that's been a really interesting story that's unfolded here over this past week. That's huge, and that's beautiful. I love that. Okay, up next, the Marvels opened to the lowest opening weekend for an MCU film at $47 million domestically and $110 million worldwide, coming in well below optimistic projections. Haley, 
We've talked about this for weeks and weeks, and so really it's not surprising, but it's a damn shame because The Marvels is an excellent movie, and if you're not going to see it, you're missing out. And I won't even spoil anything, but you're missing way out on some major stuff. <laughs> Maybe that's the, that's what we do. All right, next week on Multiverse News, we're just going to be dropping random spoilers to The Marvels uh, <laughs> so that if you don't go see it this week, you it's, it's your fault. <laughs> <Just teasing. laughs> Yeah, I got to use the rebuttal on this one. Like, I've, I don't know. Um, I'll try to keep this not negative, but I've been really discouraged by a lot of the, the just the, the talk around this movie has been very discouraging to me. Like, it's, it's been, cause I don't understand it. Like, this is, I'm going to try to like not be soapboxy, but like, I just don't understand like <laughs> hating something that you haven't seen and then just like, going after it so publicly even though you haven't seen it or don't plan to see it and like finding like dancing on the grave of something that you do not like like i just don't understand it and uh, when i see a movie that i don't like i just don't talk about it anymore and i just and i don't like not seeing movies that i don't like 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 that gives me a bad feeling like when i go to a movie thinking like i'm going to like this and i don't like it like i'd hate that feeling so I don't understand the such this like just really toxic like thing that's been built up around this movie. I just find it really discouraging. And I think like I really hope that that's not the future of discourse around movies um, because it's just I don't know if it's not your thing. It's not your thing. Like I get that. Like it's fine. If you don't like it, that's fine. Like no one tell, telling you you have to like it. I totally get that. But like I just. I don't know. I, I just, I don't get like the, such a rush to just burn, burn it, like burn it and be so public about it. And just like, like I said, dance on its grave. Uh, so publicly, I just, I, I, I don't know I've, I've, I've felt like it's been a really bad look, um, for, for it. And it's not the movie's fault. It just, it is what it is, but I've just, I've hated that. Like I've hated seeing all of that going on. It's been, it's been frustrating. Hmm. Up next, Netflix announced that it's currently developing an animated Terminator series that will follow new characters in the Terminator universe. Currently under the working title Terminator the Anime Series and will be produced by Japanese animation studio Production IG. Scotty, Terminator is one of those franchises that at this point, I think there are more misses than hits, unfortunately. I actually did like Dark Fates. I thought it was uh, better than a lot of people uh, seem to think. But the real draw for this one for me is Production IG. They uh, they did one of the episodes of Star Wars Visions on uh, Disney Plus for its first volume, uh, The Ninth Jedi, which uh, if you talk to any, you know, anybody that's seen Visions, like, the Ninth Jedi is like the standout episode that a lot of people want to see that story revisited and continued. So uh, I'm sure they're going to bring that same level of quality and their ability to kind of uh, bring mechanisms and that mechanical side uh, to a like lived in world. So uh, and they can really deliver on the action, too. So as a fan of animation, a fan of sci fi and a fan of a, you know, an, a couple of entries in the Terminator franchise, this is one to look forward to. Awesome. Despite the WGA and SAG after halting Hollywood for months, James Gunn says his first DC film of the new universe, Superman Legacy, is still on track to make its debut on July 11th, 2025. Matt, this seems like James Gunn was scabbing. <laughs> right? Right? 
Like, did he have word. it written beforehand? I can't. I can't remember. I feel like, like if he maybe said he that. did. He at least posted a, f- a front page and was like, "Look, it's Superman Legacy," but I don't know if that means that he was done or not. Right. I, am, I imagine <laughs> it was still going through writing process and rewrites. And he is also like the producer and the head of the whole thing. And like, who knows the rules? And I said this all along. Like, writers are still going to write. Like, it's just a matter of like when they turn. They're not turning things into the studio. There's probably people still writing things. Um, so James Gunn probably wrote throughout, but like, it sounds like he continued work on this so that his his productions, this new DC DCU didn't get those same crazy two year pushbacks like Marvel's going to have. Um, so they can get in there while Marvel maybe still like getting back on their feet. DC can hit them. Um, but nah, I don't know if that's really considered scabbing. If he just like kept it in a drawer and worked on it at home, but, uh, I don't know. seems like he probably worked on it at least <laughs> time that could have been spent on the picket line. Just saying. <laughs> that's right that's right with his brother <laughs> yeah and i'm sure he was supportive of the strike i'm just oh, i'm gonna watch teasing. out you better watch out he's gonna start adding multiverse news on <laughs> oh. he, we don't have a threads but you know he's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna come after us <laughs> oh we gotta get on the, we get on that threads <laughs> let james come after me i love you james <laughs> all right in a recent interview, Euphoria actor Jacob Elordi revealed that he received a proposal to test for the role of Clark Kent, but turned it down immediately. Well, they asked me to read for Superman, he told GQ. That was an immediately no, thank you. That's too much. That's too dark for me. Scotty, good. Sounds like he wasn't meant for the role if he doesn't understand the core of Superman because everything we've been hearing about Legacy is that this is supposed to be a return to like what we love about Superman as like this beacon of hope. But, uh, you know, to his credit, the guy's a talented actor. I've seen a few episodes of Euphoria and I remember him. Um, I haven't seen Priscilla, which is out in theaters right now, but he's playing Elvis in that. And I've heard, you know, uh, a lot of uh, acclaim for his performance in that. So, yeah, he is a dead ringer for Clark Kent, but uh, Mm -hmm. he apparently does not, you know, um, embody those qualities that make one a Superman. So sounds like we got the right guy in David Cornsett. Corn sweat. A small, tiny but I did like try to dig into what he was talking about because I was like dark because I was wondering if this was like is this revealing things about the script like was the script darker than we think or blah. Right. It turns out it basically is he's saying that would be a dark turn for his career. Like mm. he doesn't want to do big superhero movies. He said like I want to do things that interest me, not movies he said these he basically said these kind of movies bore me and it would be a dark turn for my career to take something like that i guess for the paycheck or whatever like so i guess i guess that's that's less of not understanding the character and more of like he doesn't want to do superhero movies which cool i appreciate you clarifying his comments but then it it just seems like it it works out for everybody he's not interested we don't want someone that's not interested in the role absolutely so another gwyneth paltrow situation (laughs) sorry sorry at me on threads. Let's not go down the goop route, please. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't want to get those goopties after us. Um, <laughs> it's like Swifties, but for goop. There's an X-Men <laughs> named Dupe. When the MCU finally does get to the X-Men, if there's not you know, a joke there with Gwyneth Paltrow, they're missing out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Netflix has attached Denzel Washington to play the ancient... Carthaginian general Hannibal in an untitled epic drama that will reteam him with Antoine Fuqua. 
Jay, uh, Hollywood's been trying to make a movie about Hannibal attacking Rome for a very long time. There was actually a film in early production where Vin Diesel was going to play Hannibal. So just <laughs> let that oh sink in for a minute and uh, what that would be like. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think the talent here is kind of undeniable. Um uh, Washington and Fuqua have made some movies before, like The Equalizer Part 3 the being the most recent one that they made together. Uh, the writer for this movie is uh, someone who is a two-time Oscar winner who worked on Gladiator, and his name is escaping me at the moment. But um, the talent's undeniable and good, and it's a really fascinating historical story. And yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's definitely a project to keep your eye on. Like, it seems like it uh, has the potential to do kind of what Napoleon is trying to do, and what uh, mm. you know, like those those types of like historical epics are are working towards. That this could be cut from that same cloth a little bit. Tiny butt. So, so many things <laughs> that we've, uh, so many movies for so long have been so U.S. focused, and I feel like it's it's very rare we get a really good historical epic from you know, times of yore and like for so long, the movie industry was so U S focused. Um, and I think it's really interesting to get these kind of stories that are like parts of other parts of the world history that like a lot of times these movies may be made, but they're made by smaller production companies in other countries and Hollywood making these kinds of like Napoleon and like, uh, something I wonder if they'll just call it Hannibal. Um, but, uh, he, well, no, I guess that's taken, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> there's a Hannibal Rising. I don't know if there's a just Hannibal, but maybe there is. Oh, okay, okay. Um, it's probably still be confusing for people. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People will be like, "This is the eating guy? He was that old? <laughs> this is like a prequel? He's a Highlander?" Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. When you said uh, when you said Vin Diesel was was up for the role previously, I I, I just couldn't help but think, "Hello, Clarice." <laughs> 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 Too many wires getting crossed. Too many wires crossed. My brain's right smoking. <laughs> Hello, Clarice. It's all about family. <laughs> it's all about eating families. Oh um, okay. <laughs> Simulation is overloading right now. <laughs> no, I got a great idea for a movie. It's Hannibal, but it's not. It's Hannibal Lecter, but it's Hannibal, and it's Vin Diesel. But he's also <laughs> furious Vin Diesel. <laughs> Just stay with me. Just keep up. <laughs> Come on, guys. Please, no. I just wonder how many of the audience was with us through all of that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Netflix has announced that Enola Holmes 3, starring Millie Bobby Brown and Henry Cavill, is currently in early development. What do you think, Haley? Yeah, Haley, you taking this one? Well, I tried to watch the first <laughs> Enola Holmes, and I couldn't get into it. Um She's just, she's just, you know, she's the Netflix girl right now. So good for her. I don't hate Millie Bobby Brown. I just, I've literally like seen her in almost absolutely nothing. Netflix after Stranger Things, they were like, oh, we got a new project. We need a, we need a young female actress. We she's already know who to call. She's in the house with them, like Chris Evans is. You know, he got his Disney checks and then he signed his soul over to Netflix now. And- whatever. It's <laughs> <laughs> interesting. I feel like that used to be a thing. I mean, it did used to be a thing. Like, literally, actors would sign with a single studio, and that would be their whole thing, right? Like, back in the day. Oh, yeah, the golden age of Hollywood. Ruined lives. (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. And it seems like in the last maybe 20, 30 years, it's been different. People just kind of walk to whatever studios make a movie they want to make. Well, MCU actors, it's not been different. And Chris Evans, like, that was one of the things he was okay with walking away from the franchise about. And now, but he's making, like, movie after movie with Netflix, and I'm like, wait, 
<laughs> yeah. I'm wondering if we're returning to something akin to that uh, more so sure. with the streaming services. Anybody else have anything to say about Enola? <laughs> Sorry, I, kinda, I threw it to <laughs> Haley to be funny. <laughs> you just threw me under the bus. <laughs> hey, come be on this podcast. We'll throw you under the bus. Yeah, when Stranger <laughs> Things Season 3 starts filming, uh, you'll, you'll come here for all your Millie Bobby Brown hot takes. We'll, uh, we'll just keep tossing them out. The Millie Bobby Brown Cinematic Universe. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get off this. <laughs> oh, man. The MBBBC. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was trying to do it. MBBCU. Right? MBBCU, yeah. Oh, man. Make it stop. <laughs> Sad how badly I couldn't do that in my head. Like, I tried, and I, yeah, you beat me to it. And you were slow, and I was slower. It was, it was really bad. <laughs> well, that's all the lightning round for us, guys. And we are going to... Uh, be back next week with more Multiverse News. Go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Multiverse Newscast. Uh, we do this every week. We uh, produce this show. We really, you know, we work on it, collect all the news, write the show. It takes actually a lot of effort. And uh, please, if you find value in the show, give us a dollar a week. Go go over to the $4 a week, $4 a month uh, tier on Patreon and support the show. And you get an ad-free version over there. Um, and uh, let's go around and talk about everybody's other projects. Haley Hobbs, what do you do? I'm on Source Pages with the aforementioned Brian V. Klein government employee. Uh, we just <laughs> dropped our Loki Season 2 review and compared it to the Trials of Loki comics that we read. I need somebody to draw a comic that's just like, BVK, government employee. <laughs> <laughs> And Jay Sisson, what what are you spending your time doing? Yeah, you can find me at Commute the Podcast. Uh, you can come learn three interesting things in 20 minutes on your commute to work. I believe next week is probably going to be our Thanksgiving episode. Three interesting things about Thanksgiving Ooh. you can drop around the table. So uh, come join us for that at Commute the Podcast. Awesome. And Jay Scotty St. Clair, uh, what, what else do you talk about on the internet? Uh, primarily animation over at Animation Ooh. Deliberation, where Invincible Season 2 is in full swing, and uh, it's just incredible to be back in that world and talking about that show. So if you're digging Invincible or uh, Attack on Titan, that show finally ended. Uh, so we're talking all about that over there as well. Check us out at Animation Deliberation, wherever you get your podcast. Sweet, sweet. And you can find me uh, at uh, multi. Um, this is Multiverse News. Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. That's the other place where I'm at weekly. Um, and we're talking a ton about Loki and the Marvels right now. We got a lot of great things. I, I, I'm so excited that so many things dropped at one time and we got so much good MCU content to like fill my belly with. Um, and we're going to be talking about that over on Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Thank you for joining us on Multiverse News. We'll be back next week with more Multiverse News. Peace. You stay classy, Multiverse. Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Multiverse News. We are a Stranded Panda podcast. You can check out all our other, other podcasts at strandedpanda.com and, uh, you know, go join the Patreon. We need your support. We love you. Thank you for hanging out. <laughs>